0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, John Moxley returns to Talk is Jericho. One of the highest rated episodes ever was a few years ago, right before his surprise appearance at, uh, I believe it was All Out, uh, in Las Vegas, the uh, genesis of uh, AEW. And now he's one of the biggest stars in the company, former champion, and he's got a brand new book out simply called Mox. And it's not just the story of his life, it's more a journey through his mind that includes flashbacks about things that happened during his life and his career, his time at WWE, lots of great stories, childhood, recollections, love and loss, marriage advice, random things that he likes, including music and sandwiches. He talks today on Talk is Jericho about the process of writing it, what inspired him why now is the right time, his favorite moments of the book, including stories about the shield. Uh, Mox is a great writer. You might not expect this. And uh, I wasn't sure what to expect when he was sending me kind of some uh, pre-notes and ideas and chapters. And this book is very, very good. Mox is a very gifted writer. And I'm really excited for all of you to check out Mox. And also all of you excited to join us for the Four Leaf Clover, Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Razor at C number four. I know that it's uh, very close to uh, the Triple Whammy, which we just wrapped up last week, and I will be doing an episode of Talk is Jericho about the Triple Whammy, but we wanted to get back on the spring schedule, so we figured, hey, the Triple Whammy was such a huge success, maybe the best one ever. Let's do it again. Let's do the Four Leaf Clover, March 14th to 18th, 2022. That, of course, is right over St. Patrick's Day, Come sign up for the pre-sale list right now at chrisjerichocruise.com. Get your cabin booking before anybody else uh, if you uh, join the pre-sale list at chrisjerichocruise.com. And join us in the UK and Ireland and Northern Ireland when Fozzie returns to Europe. uh, November 29th in Liverpool. It's very, very close to selling out. There's only like literally a dozen tickets left. Go to FozzyRock.com if you want to come check out Fozzie at the famous Cavern Club. Can't wait to do that show. Manchester is sold out. Newcastle still tickets available at the Riverside. Glasgow sold out. Dublin sold out. Belfast at Limelight One. Still tickets available, but that one will sell out. So will Newcastle. Chester is sold out. Birmingham uh, at The Mill. Tickets available for that. Bournemouth at the old fire station Tickets available for that Swansea in Wales is sold out Nottingham is sold out And London at the uh, Academy in Islington is also sold out But don't forget we're also doing our exclusive VIP meet and greet Before every show One of the best of the business We do a mini concert for you Just the private concert for all of you uh, there at the VIP So go to fozzyrock.com for all remaining tickets And VIP meet and greet packages All right Let's get to it. we got John Moxley returning to Talk is Jericho right here, right now. One of the highest rated shows in Talk is Jericho history is uh, John Moxley, which was about two years ago, and now many things have changed, which has been a huge kind of difference for you in comparison to where you are at a couple of years ago here in aew
1: now it's been a long ass time since <laughs> we did it, this right? last time yeah, yeah. We, we haven't done this in quite a while think about the difference in just the entire world since the last time we did this i know because the last time we did this was a couple days before aew ever ran a show that's right so at that time i didn't even know like how the crowd was going to react we didn't know if this was going to be success if this tv deal was going to fall through it was all like we we're Lewis and Clark going West. Mm-hmm. We we're like about to set out on the journey. There was no dynamite. There was no dark. There was no dark elevation. The, I didn't
0: even think we had a TV deal then at that point. Did we?
1: I don't even know. It was like, yeah. we had one show booked. That was all I knew, you know? So, right. And now like, look at everything that's happened in the last two years. It's, it's insane.
0: Well, even the fact that there was a pandemic and all this stuff. And, and it's interesting too, because oh Jesus
1: Christ. I didn't, yeah. You and I had
0: a, a, a great, feud a great story a great angle which culminated into you winning the title and literally two weeks later the whole world locks down
1: yeah since we last talked we were friends and then we became enemies and then nearly killed each other and then became friends again i guess (laughs) because we're sitting here that's how much has happened yeah it was uh that night in chicago and then we had the next night in denver a couple days later and the very next week we're in salt lake so I had one, one like time to have the championship in front of fans in uh, Broomf- one week, yeah. Broomfield, Colorado, and then the very next week we we're in Salt Lake, and I was going up the night before to film a sit down with Jr. And I was like, finally we're on the West Coast, so like I have an easy flight. I only got thirty minutes. I don't have to spend a whole day in the airport. This is great. And then I just because all the flights were getting messed up because mm-hmm. it was this was like right at the beginning of COVID. So like it was like the first episode of Walking Dead where like right. shit starts going weird. So like my flight gets delayed and gets delayed and delayed and delayed and canceled. And then I couldn't find any other flights. And it got to where I was like, damn it, this is the one week I had easy travel. And like <laughs> now I have to drive to Salt Lake City to make it in time for this interview. So I drove seven hours, oh, wow. and the whole time I was just listening to the radio, and they're like, this coronavirus thing, and I was just like, is the world ending right now? Mm-hmm. Like, am I driving across Utah and the world is ending? Like, should I turn around and batten down the hatches and get yeah. a shotgun? Like, what's going on? And then I believe you were in the ring, actually, promoting the original Blood and Guts when they got word that they're like, that ain't happening. Sold out, house in Newark. Yeah, done. <laughs> like, And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then, you know, then... Everybody knows the story. We don't have to talk about the depressing parts.
0: It it was funny. I I went to the ring because I was talking with Raphael, who's our booking uh, guy, booking agent, whatever you want to say. And I said, do you think we're going to get to Blood and Guts in Newark? He said, I think so. Because next week was Rochester. That's on for sure. We think we can make it to Blood and Guts. I went to the ring for 15 minutes, came out. And during that time frame, Rochester was canceled. Newark was canceled. The NBA was canceled. And Tom Hanks announced he had coronavirus. It was a pretty eventful, fifteen minutes, and like you said, then it just—that was it. I remember Tom Hanks because I remember
1: when I was on the—we were walking the dogs, throwing the ball for the dog and stuff—and I was going to go to Ireland that weekend, and then we're, Renee's on her phone and she's like, "Tom Hanks has the coronavirus." I was like, "Man, they got Tom!" <laughs> Jeez, I mean, no. this thing might be serious. And then we came in, and then I looked up and the news was on and it was like international travel ban from Trump or whatever and then I was like oh maybe I'm not going to Ireland this weekend yeah and then like five seconds later it was like yeah sorry like it, 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 it all happened so quickly it's crazy
0: Was how was it for you being the, I mean, l- moving to the light sorry the, the the for all of us like, I don't even know how to turn it off but for all of us the uh, it was hard working in front of no fans but here you are as a baby face super over Becoming the champion, everything timing was right, and then was it was it hard to kind of be a champ after that with nothing, no, nobody? I mean, it sucked, but I just ate it because first of all, there
1: was so much, uh, and I've said it a million times in a million interviews. There's so much actual bad things going on in the world hmm. that I'm like, I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself for one second. Just that, oh, we don't have fans That's such, like, right, big deal, like you know, like it actually was almost kind of fitting for me. I almost felt like, almost felt like I was the perfect guy, because to have to kind of carry the torch and take on that responsibility for that period of time, the whole Dailies place, wrestling in front of no fans thing. Because like in WWE, I always felt like I was kind of the uh, unheralded workhorse who like kind of kept the lights on, and was always the guy who called, who was called to do like the hard, crappy jobs and mm-hmm. you know, stay and do the dark match and get on. Uh, do the first match and get on a plane and literally run to the airport in your gear, get in a little tiny plane and then go do the made for the next match and I feel like I never really got the credit for being as much, working as hard as I did but I didn't care. I was just like, hey, you know I'm the, I put my time clock in and I put my hard head on and I go to work and I'm if you're paying me I'm here to do what you need me to do. So I almost felt like I was like, how fitting, mm-hmm. of course now like this new AEW thing and Win the championship and everything's going good, and all these new stories we can tell, and then boom, the world shuts down. I'm like, who has to, who's going to be shouldered with the responsibility? I'm like, of course it's me. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. I took it on. I was like, you know what, I, uh, I just owned it and went, you know what, I'm the pandemic champion, basically. Yeah. And Nobody will remember this time period with any. Uh, nobody will look back on it fondly because the whole world sucks so bad and everybody's lives were you know, miserable cause all this bad stuff happened in the world. Everybody just wants to forget the year of 2020. So basically that whole year, <laughs> like nobody wants to look back on the glory days of you know, my run on top or whatever, you know? So it is what it is though, you know, I'm kind of proud that I was, I'm proud that I was able to do that. And like we we're in a war with NXT or whatever. And uh, you know, I don't get into that, but you know, All that and we kept ratings going and you know, I feel like I did a really really good job and I'm proud of what I did During a very dark period so you know well and also too, like you said, I'm, I'm
0: proud of it We did good ratings We kept the lights on for our company and we kept a lot of people entertained when they really had nothing else going on So I'm really proud of what we did as a company too and you kind of leading the charge for that I'm proud of it as well because like you said, I think it was very necessary to give people a diversion every Wednesday when all this other shitty stuff was going on.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So when, when you were off, is that when you came up with the idea to, to write the book? I didn't even come up with the
1: idea. That's how a lot of stuff is with me. Like, uh, I did, like anytime I've done a movie, it's not like I had some idea that, like, oh, I want to go be an actor. No, it was like somebody just said, hey, you want to be in a movie? And I said, sure. <laughs> okay. Like they, uh, All I ever want to be is a wrestler. That's all I really want to be. That's all I really care about. But other stuff comes to you and you go, Hey, I'll, I'll try it out, you know? Right. Uh, so it was like this chick Amanda. Damn you, Amanda, for <laughs> for doing this to me. She's from the, the publishing company. It's a small publishing company, and I wanted to go with a small publishing company if I was going to do it because I wanted to have full control. And mm-hmm. I didn't want, like, a big corporate thing. I do not want to have fights with anybody. I wanted it to be more of, like, a... The whole thing was kind of like a... feels like a very DIY project. Like, I found my own photographer... I wrote every single word of this myself. Uh, this is the least edited book of all time, <laughs> which we'll get into in a minute. Actually, they uh, they wanted me to write a book in WWE. They asked me to, like one of their WWE books. And uh, I was like, ah, I don't know, man, like what? And I was like, I don't even have like a, I'm not like a former president or anything, man. Like nobody <laughs> needs to hear my story. I don't, I'm not that interesting. And I was like, yeah. And they put a bunch of money on the table and I was like, "Uh, maybe. So they talked to me, this ghostwriter guy or this whatever. I didn't know how the process worked and I'm like, I don't have time to write a book. I'm gonna write 300 days a year. So the guy talks to me, he's like, yeah, basically, You know, I'll just ride around with you and follow you and you just tell me stories and I'll put them into words and it made me so uncomfortable. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know, man. If I was gonna tell my story, I would tell it my way. And it was like, they were kind of, I don't know, but I kind of felt some pressure And then I remember I actually asked Brian Danielson, who had written a WWE book, and I said, which was good, I thought. And I was like, yo, if you could go back in time, would you do that book? And he said no. Hmm. Instant. Really? Like, he said no. Because he's like, it wasn't exactly how I wanted it to be. And I was like, that's all I needed here. That was like what my instinct was telling me. So I told them no. And they're like, really? And it was a lot of money on the table. But I was just like, no, it just, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And like, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm not doing it. And that was it. So I kind of never thought that would would be revisited. But then this uh, chick comes to me with like, sends me an email, opportunity to publish a book. I'm like, oh, here we go with this Mm -hmm. again. Then I was talking to her and I was like, well, the, First time around, I thought about this. I hadn't. I was like, okay, if I was going to do it, right, I would do something along the lines of, like, Willie Nelson has a couple books. One called The Towel of Willie, one of my favorites. Towel? Yeah, like The Towel of Willie. Mm -hmm. A Guide to Happiness or something like that. And one called Roll Me Up and Smoke When I Die. (laughs) And they're not, like, there's kind of a collection of stories, jokes, lessons, stuff, and you just kind of, you know, it's not not to be taken super seriously. It's an easy read. Mm-hmm. But you get a real sense of what it's like to hang out with Willie Nelson, what it's like to be in his world, like what he what his thoughts and his feelings are. But it's not like a, I was born here and then mm-hmm. this happened and then this happened. It's not a linear story. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a collection of stuff. I was, I was like, I was thinking back then if I was going to do it, it'd be something like that. And uh, she was like, I love that. And I was like, really? OK. So we were talking. And so I just wrote I never written anything in my life. I'm not an actual writer. I have no formal training or education in this whatsoever. Never written anything. Don't even try to have me handwrite something. My handwriting is like a, <laughs> like a two year old. So I wrote. I think it was one of the first chapters I wrote. I was like, okay, let me just see what I can put down on. So I wrote it on my phone. That's one of the first chapters that's in the book. It just took me like an hour. And I was kind of like, this is kind of fun or whatever. And I just sent it to them as like a sample. I was like, it would be stuff like this, like very short, easy stuff to read. And uh, they were like, we'd love it. Like, so they sent, I did another one and sent it to them again. They're like, this is fantastic. And then we started talking more about like what it would be and whatever. And I was like, okay, well, and I liked that it was with a smaller publishing company and I was, because they weren't going to screw with me at all. I like made it very clear that I'm like, words don't get put in my mouth. It's exactly, it's going to be my exact vision as it is, you know? Right. And and, uh, that's exactly what it was, you know? So, credit to everybody.
0: Well, the thing about it is, too, um, is that when you sent it to me, because you sent me some stuff right right out of the gate, and I remember thinking, like, this is really good, because there were certain things when I read in the book, like you were talking about, like you mentioned, you have a bunch of stories, and then there's little vignettes and little kind of anecdotes and all this sort of stuff, albums that you really like. It reminded me of a lot of of the way that I wrote my books. And I remember you saying that you thought that the, the Cliff Burton's base work at the beginning of Damage Incorporated was whale noises. That's what I thought it was for yeah. years. But I remember reading that and going, this is really good. And the other one you said, something about, you know, about, uh, I have a green phone. Uh, my texts are green. I'm that guy because I don't f*** the iCloud. That was something else that you said in one of your earlier samples. And just the way you wrote it, it was like, this is really, really good stuff. Because like you said, you're not a formally trained writer. But what does that really mean? Either you can do it or you can't. And right away, you had a certain style that you sound like, this sounds like talking to Mox while I'm reading this.
1: Yeah, the whole, the whole process was touch and go. I was figuring it out as I went along. Because I was like, okay, we're going to write a book. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. And uh, even though I'm not like a writer writer, I like to think I'm pretty decent promo mm-hmm. from time to time i have been doing that for years. And what you're doing in a promo is you're telling a story. And in two minutes, you say, like, you know, when, when I was a kid, I was walking through the grass barefoot, and I got bit by a snake. And it almost almost lost my foot. i have been mad about it ever since. So this Saturday, Jake the Snake, I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> you know, you take him on a little ride. You, right. you fair, think of like, like a hook, and why are we in this match, and why do I hate this guy? and so I'm like, I kind of know how to tell stories already. So I kind of looked at it like uh like this is just this is just a promo, but it's like the longest promo of all mm-hmm, time. It's a 272-page mm-hmm. promo. And I wanted I wanted it to be like and I told them this too, I was like, I want it to sound like me. So the writing is very unorthodox, if you want to call it writing, because I want it, I want it to sound when you read it exactly the way I talk. Mm-hmm. Like if I was like, man, I'm gonna go down to the store and get some beers and shit, and then come back. I'll write the word and shit, even though I don't need you don't need to write the word, the words and shit. That's the way I would say it mm-hmm. in real life. So if you read it like that, you can hear me saying it because mm-hmm. that's because I'll just throw an and shit out there. Mm-hmm. Just that's the way I talk, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, yeah, so let's go do that and some shit. So, I wanted to to read exactly the way I talk. So, it's very unorthodox. So, uh, I just got, like, the physical copies, like, the other day. And I was thumbing through it for the first time. So, you've been through this process. So, like, all the fine-tooth combing and the editing and everything. And I have to give the final green light and everything. And I read through it so many times that I began to hate it. Because you get so mm-hmm. close to something, right. all of a sudden, you don't like it anymore. Like, I'm sick. I'm sick of this freaking book. Like... I read through it so many times I'm sick of reading it and I got to a certain point where I was just like I mean it's pretty much there it's like 99 like there's like tiny little I'm like ah but it's it's like we got a deadline like I'm like it's good it's and at one point I just went it's good send it off right. this is the book and then I forgot about it for a while then I got the physical copies and saw like the design and everything and the design is very deliberate and the everything it's black and white except for the the back and the front Uh And I saw it come together exactly like I wanted to. And I told them too, like, the design. I was like, I almost want this to look more like a journal, like a random journal of a guy, more so than, like, a book. Uh, Like, it goes all over the place. It jumps in space and time. It's all, uh, it's not linear at all. And uh, I want it to look dirty and sloppy, almost like it was just, like, a thrown-together journal you found in somebody's basement. Like, and that's exactly how it looks. And I was just like... Wow. So I'm thumbing through it and kind of like I'm on the plane last night. And uh, the beginning of a certain. uh, So I'm just calling it out right now. So at the beginning of a uh, paragraph, it's on page 126. (laughs) It's kind of it's not a very important part of the book or anything, but it just it cuts off like a sentence and a half. Hmm. It's, it was like a story about, like, my dad came down to pick me up from Detroit. He lived in Detroit. And he came down to pick me up on weekend, and we drove up to Detroit. I mean, that's basically what the opening sentence was. It was like, my dad came down to pick me up from Detroit. But it, it cuts that off, and it just starts out with, like, a lowercase word, weekend. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I, like, almost flipped my lid on the plane. I was like, oh, my God. This is going to look like some rinky-dink-ass book, whatever. Oh, Jesus. As soon as I land, I texted a picture of it to the publisher. I was just like, hey, did anybody notice this egregious printing error? I was like, how many of these do we print? Is this going to be like oh?" And then they're like, oh, we already knew about it. We're freaking out, you know, and uh, I thought about it for a second. and was like, you know, it's actually kind of cool because <laughs> it, it didn't ruin it. It ruined the book or anything. It's just like, and they're like, it'll be in the, the first run. We'll have that error. The second run, I don't know how many books comes in a run. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, you know. It depends on how many they print. Yeah. So however many come in that first run, it'll have that error. And then after that, it won't. Like the if you buy it on Kindle, like it won't have that error. Right. But Paperback. It's kind of cool because it's kind of like, a. F- I was like, those will be like collector's yeah. items. <laughs> like if you got a signed book where a on page 126 is a little messed up, you'll know that was like from the first run. Right. And I'm like, it's actually very fitting for this book because it's a very dirty book. I wrote the whole thing on a notes app on my wife's MacBook, which I can't operate at all. If I'm going to be on a computer, I need to be on like a 90s computer <laughs> with like a mouse, like from computer lab, you know, like this MacBook. I, I literally couldn't operate one function of this thing except the notes app because I could just type it and press the button and it would send to my email. Mm-hmm. So anytime like something weird would pop up, I'd have to be like, Renee, I don't know how to, I don't know how to fix this. You have to come down. Fix it for me. So, I mean, it's it was written on a notes app. It's as dirty as can be. Right. So, it, it totally fits that like, uh, there's like an error in the first run. Oh, and like, I was texting my uh, my friend Jill is in the book and her last name is Fields. And somehow in the book, she became Jill Shields. Oh, so I texted a picture of it. I was like, I guess you're Jill Shields now. I don't know. This whole thing's a shit show. They should have never asked me to write in a book. Like, so there's a bunch of like little fun mistakes like that that are actually kind of think it's kind of cool you know
0: it's interesting that you said the willie nelson books because when i wrote my first book the two biggest inspirations was, was mick foley's book same thing wrote it himself sounds so much like mick foley and then the guitar player from the police andy summers had written a book that was really funny and there was a lot of great little anecdotes that kind of didn't fit in with the narrative kind of like yours and i thought like that was gave me kind of a template on how to write my book and it sounds like you had the same from Willie's, the way that you kind of put it together.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it was touch and go. Like, some of the first stuff, some of it's, like, very, very light, and I'm just being funny, and it's obviously mm-hmm. not to be taken seriously. Like, a lot of the random, like, some of my favorite music or this yeah. or that, a lot of that was just kind of to fill space and just to kind of get me going at the beginning. And also, it's, like, less intimidating because you don't have to open up as much. But at some point, you start getting to where, like, okay, now I got to, like, get into some real stuff Mm -hmm. and i kind of had it set into like four chunks of time periods in my life and then like the bigger chunks are like where i had to like really actually like write and like remember stuff and go back and so some of the stuff will be like from when i was first just messing around with writing and then some of it'll be like when I started feel like I was getting good at it. Mm-hmm. And then once I started feeling like I was getting good at it, I was having some real fun with it. But like, it's almost like when you gotta come up with a promo or storyline, you gotta really mentally put yourself in that place that it's real. So like going back to some of these times and places, I had to like get myself there. And it's not, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. As you know, you can't just sit down and say, okay, I'm gonna write a thousand words today. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't right. come. Like you have to, sometimes you're in zone and you can't stop writing. Mm-hmm. It depends. And uh, if I'm gonna get, like if I'm gonna remember a certain place in time, like I gotta get myself there. So like there was like a time I was like out on the porch, like when I was getting near the deadline and it was one of the chapters were like the best and I was like, gotta, gotta really make this good and I was like feeling it. And I was out on the porch like 2.30 in the morning. I've been out there for hours. I'm like slamming beers. I'm like in, I'm pacing around. I'm listening to music cause I'm trying to listen to the music that I was listening to at the time. Mm. And I'm, trying to, cool. I'm, I'm trying to get back in the headspace of like where I was at that exact moment when I was about to go like murder somebody or something. So and then she comes out and she's like, what's going on? She's like, are you on drugs? What's happening? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing like, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but it's cool when you think of like the, oh, that's the that's the closing line of this. So it's like the same thing as a promo where you go like, that's it, yes. you're yeah. sort of Like high five somebody, you're like, that's it. But the weird thing is you don't get instant feedback. Mm-hmm. So I've been waiting for months. To, for, I'm very so excited for this to come out because <laughs> it's like, it's not like you can go in there and cut a promo from the audience and then nail it. Then I get an instant feedback sure. and I'm like, I know that was good. If you write something, it's going to be months and months mm-hmm. and months and months before anybody reads it. So you're like, was that good? I don't even remember what I did. Like, So uh, I'm excited for it
0: to come out. I found some like for for some of the books over the years when you write about some of the darker stuff, like for me, the, the the two that really stand out is, is my mother's passing and then the whole Benoit story. And writing it was really hard. Like you mentioned, I remember I was drinking some vodka a little bit to get deep into it and really get into it. But the cool thing was once I did it, I felt like it was almost like some closure and a purge of my feelings and to know that it's in this book. I can put it on a shelf. I never have to go into it or explain it ever again. If you want to know, you can just read about it. Was it like that for you for some of the darker moments that you wrote about in the book?
1: Yes, exactly. There's, yeah. there's a definite catharsis to it. That's it. And, yeah. and there's some stuff you would have never thought about again. But then when you go back and kind of explore it, you see it differently. Because now you're a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And now you go back and you go... And some of the stuff you laugh at yourself and you go, like, that's hilarious. that, that That's what my mindset was at the time. And some of the stuff you understand better. Or you understand somebody else's perspective better. Mm. Or you go, oh... And it kind of makes it easy. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been carrying around that baggage, mm. but I don't need to. Like yeah. it's stupid, but like I just, it kind of forces you to kind of introspect. So that's a really cool kind of byproduct of it. And
0: uh, I'm thinking about for uh, the Danny Havoc chapter. Danny Havoc, right? Danny yeah, Havoc?
1: yeah. That, that I put that off until the very, very. It's a close
0: point. friend of yours that passed away just this year, right, or last year? Yeah, and that happened. Yeah,
1: that happened like during this whole process, and like it was like a new one. And Brody too, right? You know, so both of them. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers to the book, but obviously they're both in the book. I put off the the inevitable. Like yeah, with the Brody one, I was like, that's an example of one that I told him, don't touch a single thing. Mm-hmm. No editing. No, like if there's like a period or a, right, you, a if of you have to whatever but like uh there's anything that's like time stamped like uh where are we at right now Miami Miami 322 p.m right Jericho's dressing room I wrote it one time however it maybe took 15 minutes maybe mm. took an hour or whatever but I wrote like it, they're like journal entries mm. anything that's like time stamped with like a, a location and a time code. That's not messed with, like, at all. Mm. It's only, like, don't mess with it, like, one iota, even if there's, even if it doesn't make any sense to you. Because if you did and you start, and there's one of them like that where they started kind of changing stuff around because they didn't think it made sense. And I was like, no, now you're messing it up. I was like, yeah, it sounded, it reads terrible, but I was like, that's the place I was in Mm -hmm. at that exact Mm -hmm. moment. Like, if I'm at the Marriott at 4.02 p.m. and this is what I was thinking and feeling, like, the night before pay-per-view or something, that's exactly how I wanted to play out. So you get exactly what was going through my mind and exactly how it came out. So it's not it's not changed at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, I was still in like a state of shock during like the Brody one, so it was really weird. Mm-hmm. I put off the uh, talking about Grant Dan Havoc until like the end because mm-hmm. I I I put it off until I was like I don't even want to get into this because it's gonna suck to like get into it. That was like the, maybe the last thing I wrote. But there's there's a lot of, you know, lighter fare. You no, know, no, no, but, but do, you,
0: do you feel, like you said, was there a little bit of catharsis to, to get that on the printed page? Your feelings are here now? Yeah, it definitely yeah. brought uh, closure
1: yeah. to some stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. A lot of different stuff, you know.
0: How about, how about this? A little bit lighter fare, but still something that was very... Intricate in, in your journey to A.W. was your whole W.B. experience and everything. There was a lot of great stuff in there about the good times and about some of the bad times as well. Was that kind of a catharsis to write about that as, uh, for you?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's another factor of it, too, is because uh, what I definitely didn't want this to be and what I was afraid they were going to want it to be or I was afraid maybe people were going to expect it to be was like a bitter bitching about WWE book. And that was like I'm not even bothered doing mm-hmm. that. That's not like, not interested in that at yeah. all. But it's also, I'm gonna tell you the truth about. So you get my exact thoughts and feelings about how I feel about what goes on there and how that, how their process works and all that. You know, we've talked about it. The yeah, there's no
0: secret the way you feel. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I'm, I'm gonna hit you with it very bluntly, but like. I'm not going to, like, focus on any negativity. There's probably a month I lost of, like, uh, writing about stuff, like, WWE-related and stuff, where I was like, I feel like I have to put this in because I feel like that's what people are going to expect or want. And I just hated it all. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like reading this. Maybe there's somebody out there who just loves
0: Dirt trash yeah. WWE
1: and they love dirt and they want to hear about this. But I don't feel like I don't like it so I was just like I canned it all I just deleted it all Mm. I was just like starting over so with WWE mostly I try to hit on a little bit of everything but I mostly focus on the good stuff and there's a lot of good stuff because it kind of it hit me where I was like okay this book is about who I am this book is not about who I'm not right 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 so I'm gonna you know I might give you some thoughts and feelings about some stuff basically we'll focus on the good stuff and who I am and Mm -hmm. what's you know uh
0: that's what Mick told me when I was writing my book. He said, "A book is not a place to to have a vendetta." And he said, you "Yeah, in so many wrestling books, yeah, um, people take
1: shots at each other, and, and
0: there's you know. no reason because in the end, you won. It's your book. You're here. You're happy. You basically won in life. So to be bearing people or be bitter or whatever, it doesn't fit the narrative of what you are talking about here."
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I was thinking, I was like, if I die tomorrow, if I get hit by a bus this is going to be like the final record of my life. Mm-hmm. So I want people to like know who I was, the good and the bad and the ugly, but like, I don't want to like focus on other, right. Focus on anything stupid. That's like not worth my time. But like, I'm not even worried about it anymore. So like, I don't know why I'd bother writing about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it hits on like a little bit of hits on a little bit of everything about every time period of, uh, of my life. And I think it did kind of like bring a, uh, there's probably more WWE in it, honestly, than AEW, mm-hmm. because AEW is kind of currently going on. Sure. So I'm kind of experiencing it now, even though there's a lot of AEW. But it kind of like, I don't know if I want to say brought some closure, but it kind of like, it kind of puts a pin on the WWE run very nicely. Mm-hmm. Perspective. Like, that's yeah. that's over and moving on. And it was it was all great and everything, mm-hmm. and now life is good, and we move on.
0: So. It, what I liked reading about it too was was I'd kind of forgotten because I mean, I don't know if he was was even there, but just how close the Shield was as friends and as a united front against you know getting with basically in WWE. Yeah,
1: the the early days of Shield were wild, man. Because like the company was different, it was a different environment. The locker room was different. You were there, so you know, mm-hmm. like, and a lot of people didn't like us. I remember actually, you were one of the first guys, we did a random ass six man with you early, early, Mm -hmm. early. Like we just started wearing like the SWAT gear, we were still wearing like heavy ass boots and busting people's lips with them and shit. (laughs) We did like a random six man with like you and Seamus and somebody or other and uh, afterward, the first time we would ever work together and afterward you were like, and you guys are really freaking good. Like, you guys are, like, you're right there. You're in the pocket. You guys hit hard. Like, you know, you guys work like Japanese. Like, you, you keep the pace up. You were, like, you're, like, these guys are freaking good. Like, you were, like, one of the first guys who was, like, not mad at us for being there. Like, everybody else was really intimidated by our presence. But you were, like, no, nah, f- these guys are good. <laughs> you know, and then it wasn't long before everybody started to want to work with us. Because right. we were having such good matches. So that's all, the, like, the whole but wh- shield why Why, why were story.
0: people mad that you were there? Just because there's,
1: you know, it's new and fresh. People protective of yeah. their stuff, and you know, it was it was just a much uh, more uh, it was a less welcoming environment mm. back then. I mean, you were there, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? yeah, sure, like, of course. You know, some new guy coming in with a big push, or some like <laughs> yeah. I was that some, new guy once. That's
0: why I yeah, some uh, group it, yeah.
1: coming in, they're gonna beat everybody up. People mm-hmm. are like, who the hell are these guys? Mm-hmm. Like they're nobodies because we yeah, were, we cool. were complete nobodies. It mm-hmm. wasn't like we were big stars from NXT. We we're mm-hmm. complete nobodies. Right. And we were coming in beating up like the Undertaker and the Rock, so people are like, "Who the hell are these guys?" Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it to me, and we're like, "Yeah, we are," you know. Uh, so it was a little, but oh, so the whole, you know, I thought that was the thing people were really going to want to read about. The I whole Shield it, yeah. uh, story is, you know, in there. And
0: I'd forgotten too that all three of you uh, were world champion in the same night.
1: That is true too. That's all in there too. Yeah, and,
0: uh, I was in that match with you.
1: Yeah, that whole story. Yeah, so, so
0: that, that's another thing. You Ro- know, and Ro- if there
1: was ever if there was ever a stamp of you know, because we were like, screw you, we're gonna take this over, and if people were like, disagreed with that, on one night, all three of us were the world champion. I think that that tells you everything you need to know about like we were right. Yeah, we were right. Mm-hmm.
0: So screw you, you know. Yeah, Roman was the champ. And then when you had won the latter match, the the money in the bank, and Roman was the champ in the main event, Seth beat him, and then you cashed in, right? Yeah, which kind of like tied up a whole two year kind of story yeah. arc. Which was
1: really cool. So uh I mean that kind of is a stamp of like like I said, we were right. And mm-hmm. like we we did exactly what we said we were gonna do. And now we're all we're all doing pretty good, I think. There's, there's
0: a great, uh, you can give a little snippet of it without giving anything away. There, there's a great story of you being under the ring waiting for your uh, your turn and just how it is under the ring. <laughs> Describe that. Yeah, like. Uh, <laughs> were you w- with Nick Dahl or who were you with?
1: Nick, Dahl, Nick yeah. Dahl, yeah. People don't know, like, every WWE show you watch, there's a guy under the ring at all times. Because he's there to, like, fix the boards and do stuff. And See, I didn't know people. that you never been under the ring what well, been under the ring? I didn't know there was a guy there at all times. No, he's there like all the time to yeah. fix the boards that break and stuff. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> he just hangs out. He's got a monitor got a headset. He's chilling, <laughs> man. And uh, that's like one of those things where another rule I had, you know, I had a few rules. Some of them are I'll keep his trade secrets proprietary secrets as far as this book. But right. one, like, one of my rules was, okay, don't just recap anything that happens on TV. Because I feel like a lot of wrestling books are like that. They just start out. Sure. I was born here. And then I did this. And then this. And then when they get to like the wrestling part, they're like, then I wrestled so-and-so at this pay-per-view. Then I wrestled so-and-so at this pay-per-view. And then next month, we did a bladder match. Yeah. And, and I'm like, we already saw that. That was all on TV. So it wasn't going to be like, that's exactly what I was not going to do. My rule was like, if it happened on TV, you already saw it. Mm. Or if I already told the story a million times in a podcast, whether it be your podcast or somebody else, or I've told it in an interview a million times, I'm not just going to recap stories everybody's already heard. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give all new information. So with like the thing under the ring, obviously people saw that story play out on TV, but I don't, I'll tell the story if I can give it from a different perspective. Right. Either tell you the stuff you didn't know that was going on behind the scenes or for example, being under the ring, you know, you see, so you're seeing the same story, but from a totally different perspective, like that was kind of one of my rules.
0: Which is great, because people don't know what it's like under the ring. You know what I mean? They never saw that. That's under the surface of what's going on.
1: Yeah, there's so many, like, there's so many things that, you know, uh, cool things about this. Uh, Process? This business. This business? Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, it's the cool stuff you get to do and see and stuff that a lot of fans, all they see is what's on TV. Yeah. But there's so much cool stuff where i will be like, man, I'd like, there's so many cool stories that go on like behind that people don't know. So like, that was kind of the stuff I wanted to bring out.
0: I just remembered something that was awesome. It's not in the book, but I just remember the time when we were doing something in a cage or oh, maybe for the Ambrose asylum and you were one of the, uh, the techs at the ringside and you had the mustache had on. mustache.
1: Yeah, dude. <laughs> I just remember that. I'm not going to lie. The, uh, <laughs> it was a big hit with the ladies backstage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The mustache. Yeah. It, it, it got a good response. R- Renee was very. Uh, <laughs> she was into it. I was like, I might have to become a mustache guy. Like I could, I might be like a Tom Selleck guy one of these days. Not right, not right now. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I
0: feel like one day I could. Pull you that, pull it off. Pull that off. Great story in there too about about. Uh, it's not a story. It's a thread of the book about your relationship with Renee, your wife, and how you met her there and and kind of courted her and the whole story. I didn't realize that that's how you guys met, basically backstage, kind of in passing. Uh, at a WWE show.
1: Yeah, it took like all of two seconds. Yeah. For it was just like, well, I guess we're together forever now, <laughs> basically. Uh, so the whole, yeah, the whole saga of my romance with uh, Renee Paquette is in there too. If you, if you like romance.
0: Well, and you have you some know. great advice too for your uh, marriage advice.
1: Yeah, there's a whole chapter about uh, my guide to marriage, of which mm-hmm. I have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'd be married. But, you know, I'm picking it up as I go along. So maybe the next book will have a guide to parenting. Yeah. Because I'm figuring that the hell out as I go along. I'll tell you <laughs> that. I, can't, I haven't slept in a month. You
0: know? No, it was great, <laughs> though, with the, the the marriage tips. and You know, if she's getting ready and she says it's going to be 15 minutes and it's 45 or 50 or 55.
1: Yeah, that I'll give that spoiler because, you know, anybody could be dealing with this at any moment, you know if a woman tells you that you know she'll be i'll be ready in 20 minutes that's not the case it is not 20 minutes don't set your clock for 20 right. minutes it's going to be a lot longer than 20 minutes right and but don't rush her. don't push them yep. yeah yeah you know let them do their thing you know so there's a lot to uh to learn for maybe if you're uh in a new marriage or thinking about getting married you know you can uh Something that you can you would, learn a lot in this book, yeah.
0: It's like I said, something you wouldn't expect from the Mox book, but, but there's a lot of those types of things within there. Another one of my favorite parts, which is amazing, is the sandwich uh, dissertation. Oh, I have all... I have, yeah, I'm very passionate about the art of the sandwich. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, I'm a sandwich guy, you know. I like a good sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's one of the greatest inventions. Mm-hmm. that ever. You know, you just grab it. Take a bite. It's got everything, you know, and you can really, really creative in a sandwich. So there's a whole chapter about, uh, but you can ruin it too. But yeah, oh, there's a lot of uh, mistakes you can make and really screw up what could be a great sandwich. And I hate to see that, you know, I become like old less stature when it comes to sandwiches where I'm like, I don't like to see this, uh, people making mistakes. So, I mean, there, there's stuff that's literally that stupid. Like but, there's a chapter about sandwiches. You know? I never remember telling him that where I was like, just thinking about the initial thing i was like okay like i don't know anything i'm not an expert on anything i don't even know if i'm an expert on wrestling Mm -hmm. like i'm not a guy to come to advice for for like anything like in general i'm not gonna act like (laughs) i am right but i've been around man and i've seen some stuff and i've been some places so like i may have learned something along the line that maybe i can pass along to you you know so there's a lot of, you know, it's by no means a self-help book or a book of advice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, there's a lot of that where I'm just kind of like, I made every mistake and did every stupid thing humanly possible in my life. So I can tell you a lot about what not to do, you know, like, right? Don't step in a bear trap. Or, not that I stepped <laughs> in a bear trap. But for example, you know, like I can tell you exactly what not to do. In your well, life. I love so, to
0: just about the sandwich. There's actually a uh, John Mox's original dart drawing in it which is amazing oh yeah there's original artwork this book has everything (laughs) this book has everything also too very candid about uh some of your partying days partying stories uh, drug stories in there which i I love too it's like when i read keith richard's book it's like you know we're all in show business and i did the same in my book like sometimes you go and have a good time and do what you're going to do you're not glorifying or or uh you know saying anything wrong but you're very very candid about some of those things which i really appreciated Oh, yeah, I have no, uh, I'm not going to say I have no regrets, but I have
1: nothing to uh, hide. If somebody says, like, you know, don't act like you know what you're talking about because I was there when you, like, did whatever in a strip <laughs> club or right. you're running naked through the streets with a <laughs> pineapple on your head or whatever it is, right, you know, like, right. I'd be like, I, I own it. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I did that. I, I might do it tomorrow night. You know, who knows? We don't mm-hmm. know how long this night's going to go. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hanging out with Jericho. He might pull out the goose.
0: <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen, you
1: know? Like, and I'll apologize for it tomorrow. So I'm like very unapologetic. The book is very unapologetic. Mm-hmm. I was very much like, all right, if I'm going to tell you what happened, I'm just going to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. But like, you got to strike a balance of like, because there's like, you know, you only have 272 pages or whatever it turned out to be. And you only have, that's another hard thing about it, is they put you on a deadline. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, you got to cram this in and you got to see the whole vision. And you don't, you don't strike a balance of like my childhood. Wrestling, WWE, AEW, death matches, the indies, my initial start in the business, like all these things, you have to have like a balance. So you can't, so you kind of have to pick, okay, like what's one good story from this era? What's the best story from this mm-hmm, era mm-hmm. that illustrates this point? I can't just tell you every single story about every time I like did a bunch of drugs and got passed out and got arrested because that would take up like, I need like five books, <laughs> you know? I can't tell you a, a story about every single match ever that happened because I would need like five books. Right. So you got to kind of like, pick the best story that illustrates this period of time or this example of this behavior or what's cool about wrestling or whatever it is you kind of kind of balance it out
0: we worked with uh with pete Fornatale, who's been my collaborator i like to say for all five of my books in different ways for the last 15 years um how did pete help you with the process
1: Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, for the millionth time, thank you again for hooking me up with him because he was the best. So, actually... He gets it, right? Yeah, yeah, you were one of the first guys I texted when they were like, I was about to do this thing with this book. I'm like, man, should I commit to this? And I was like, you've written a bunch of books. I was like, I don't remember what I asked you. I was just like... You just said... Did, it I, was like, asked, book. I was like, did you write these yourself? Yeah. Are you cool with doing that? Or they make you, like... They gonna make you like. Are they gonna mess with your words. Like, mm-hmm. how, what is this process like? Is it worth it? Is it time consuming? And you're like, basically, like, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's totally worth it at the end, which is exactly right. So I'm glad that I did it. So Thank you for pushing me in that direction. Yeah. My pleasure. Be like, uh, you're like, I'll hook you up with my guy Pete. He's the best. Because I was really worried about the, like who would be the editor, mm-hmm. and I was just really worried about it getting screwed with and getting my words messed with, and maybe I have PTSD from all these writers or something. But I was like very worried about that. But he hooked me up with Pete, who was like, I gave him kind of my vision. I was like, this is like a very DIY punk rock looking book. I don't want, you know, it's going to be dirty. You know, I don't, and he was like, I totally get it. He totally got the vision. And uh, the way I thought about it was exactly what you said. What's almost more like a, I've never written music, but it's, he's more like a music producer. Yes. It's not like he's editing my words or changing my words or flipping them around or doing anything with sentence structure or anything like that. It's just like I'd send him a piece, and he'd read it and be like, oh, that's really good, but uh, I have some questions. Like, what do you mean when you say this? Or what are you referring to when you say this? Or he'd be like, mm, you're almost there. Like, I get where you're going for but I think you can illustrate that better. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. He, would just, it would, he was almost more just like a test Audience, yeah, right. Where he would read it and be like, "Okay, I see where you're going for, but that's not good enough yet. Like you're almost there. You can do better." Mm-hmm. Like he'd push you to be like, "You can do better." And I'd be like, "I worked really hard on that, man. Well, screw it. <laughs> okay." And then, but then you go, "I," but like every single time he was right on the money. I was like, uh, "Like a lot of times he'd call me out on stuff and be like uh like this doesn't make any sense because you, you're like you're like double talking.'" Like little simple stuff. Yep. Like I think I said, like, like I don't remember my parents ever being together, which I really don't because I they got divorced when I was so little, so I don't really remember them together. But then a little few lines later, I said I mentioned I remember like the night they got divorced. So he's like, "How can you not remember them being together and remember them getting divorced? That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, you're totally right." So I'm like, "I guess what I mean is like I don't remember them like together together." I'm like, I don't know. We're talking about memories when I was five. Sure. You know, but, but he was totally right. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect. Like little stuff like that. Yeah. that I didn't catch because it makes sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. But when you read it, he's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. So you just restructure or whatever. But, uh, he was, yeah, uh, invaluable. And then like, they took it to like, so he, he was more there just as like a creative guide and like to bounce stuff off of. And then, uh. Then he's like, yeah, then we're going to put it to the copy editor. I was like, what's a copy editor? Mm-hmm. I literally didn't even know what a copy editor was. And I was like, I just wrote a book. I don't even know what a copy editor means. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, that's just the guy. He's not creatively involved. He just fine-tooth combs it and makes sure there's like periods mm-hmm. and commas where they need to be. So he was probably having hell of a time because they came to me <laughs> with all kinds of questions. Because he's not like emotionally or creatively tied to it sure. all. And it's so uno- the writing is so unorthodox. A lot of it didn't make any sense to him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, is this what you really meant? Or what do you mean when you did? But they were all like simple questions. Mm-hmm. But he probably couldn't under- make sense of what the hell was going on. Like, So he probably had a hell of a time figuring it out.
0: But you get that. I had that like for, for the first couple of specifically when I would say something like, you know, I was as angry as Nigel Tufnell was when he found a little guy in his olive. And they would come back with Nigel Tufnell from Spinal Tap. And I'm like, no, you don't explain who Nigel Tufnell is. It's like Family Guy. If you know who it is, you get it, you get the joke and you laugh and you move on. If you don't know who it is, it goes by so quickly and you, laugh and, mo- and you don't laugh and move on, but you never really notice what that even means in the first place. And Pete was really good at that. He would never question my uh, examples of things that I was saying because he knew that in my mind it made sense and it was funny if you get it. And I liked working with him for those reasons because most editors, copy editors, collaborators would be like, "You got to explain it." You never explained the joke, you know. Pete was on the money on all those sort of thoughts.
1: Yeah, that makes me think of another thing. There, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, that was one of the best things you said was, "Don't explain your jokes," which right. is obvious, never. But uh, another thing I-, I wanted to do was uh, you read a lot of these wrestling books, especially the ones you can just tell are ghost written and like they're not that good. Uh, they're like. Anyway, and then I went to work for WWE, known as World Wrestling Entertainment, yeah, 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 yeah. owned by Vince McMahon. Yeah. Started in 1955 yeah, 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 by yeah, yeah. Jess McMahon. Or you yeah. know, they like explain what WWE yeah. is, or like in wrestling what we call taking a bump or whatever. Yeah. And they have little like footnotes and stuff, and like they
0: over-explain. What's insulting wrestling. to your audience too? they yeah. know what a fucking rat- exactly Vince McMahon is.
1: And I was I was doing that a little bit at the beginning, like. House shows, house shows are untelevised events or mm. something. I did a, like a little bit of that, and then I, at one point, I stopped and went. That's really time consuming and annoying to do that. I feel like it makes it slows down the book. And I was like, thinking, let's face it, ninety some percent of the people who read this book are wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. They they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about if I say, if I use an insider term, if I say bump, if I say angle, if I say kayfabe, right? Uh, if I say, oh, he's gonna get juice, something like that. So I made a decision and told them I was like, I'm not explaining terms at all what I want, because I, like, I don't want to talk down to the wrestling audience at all, because this is who the book is for. I want it to be accessible, but I also want it to be accessible to non wrestling fans. But I, I was like, and they would be like, well, then you have to explain the words. But here's why you don't explain the words to make it cooler for a non wrestling fan, because. say you're, So I want it to be like, if you're a total non wrestling fan, I think you can pick up the book and read it. And why it would be cooler is because for a non-wrestling fan this book would be like say you were hanging out one night and you ran into a bunch of wrestlers and you ended up hanging out with them and you knew nothing about wrestling but you ended up in a room with a bunch of wrestlers and you were all drinking doing a bunch of coke and they were all just talking and you're up all night and they were talking to each other about stuff and they were going yeah, brother, this angle coming up, I'm going to get juice and whatever. They were using the insider terms and they were talking to each other and you were like, you'd pick it up. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, oh, you'd be like, it's almost like uh, you're a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. So if you're a non-wrestling fan, this book is kind of like being a fly on the wall to the wrestling industry. I take you inside the ring, I take you backstage, all that, but I don't try to over-explain anything. I just say, come with me, babe, we're taking a ride. Mm -hmm. Just keep your eyes and ears open. Mm -hmm. I think that's way cooler. Like if I was interested in another genre or subculture, I would rather read about it or watch it like that. I would rather just be taken for the ride and like, let me figure it out for myself. Yeah. So I think
0: that was effective. We were just training in the ring with Junior Dos Santos today. And obviously he knows nothing about the terms. And we were explaining like, you know, when you hear we're going to break, that means we're going to commercials. Oh, okay. And uh, so I stand outside the ring. I stand outside. It's called the apron. Oh, okay. He was discovering it as we went along. He was,
1: oh, that's fun. He enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, that's real fun. You had to
0: explain it to him, right? You know what I mean? But when, when you, when you uh, as we start to wind down here, the way you put your book together, did, is this in chronological order, the way you wrote it? Or did you write it and then kind of piece it in different places to where you wanted the different stories and, and vignettes to go?
1: No, it's all over the place. There's no, it. I wanted it to be kind of like an episode of one of those shows where like there's a bunch of flashbacks. Sure. And like, uh, at the end, it all ties together and makes sense. Mm. Like uh, the best example I can think of right off the top of my head is like, if you've ever seen a show, This Is Us, mm-hmm. my wife loves that show, right? Yeah. So like, but they do a bunch of flashbacks and you don't know. Pulp, yeah, uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, about Pulp Fiction, exactly. That's way cooler than This Is Us. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense initially, but by the end of the episode, then it all ties together, and you're like, "Oh no, I get it." So I think like there's a lot of that. By the end of the book, everything will tie together, but it'll jump around in space and time. But what I
0: meant was, when you wrote these pieces, did you place them in this order, or did is this how you wrote the book in this order?
1: I kind of had a, I wrote it in all kinds of different orders, and then mixed uh, and matched. Yeah once, yeah, once we had it all, I had like a vision of like, okay, there's like four big time period chunks. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we'll kind of intersperse everything throughout. And I was like, I'm not really married to the order of anything. So that's where P came in really handy. Oh, so he would help you with that. Gotcha. Like, I was like, we kind of had this mostly the same thoughts. And there was one where it's like, it's a really dark, holy shit, heavy chapter. And then it goes right into something like, super super light and he's like i feel like this is a he's like are you okay with this this is a real sharp turn
0: great point yeah he's
1: like but i really like it because it's it's a sharp turn but i really like it i was like you okay with that i'm like i think yeah i like it cool mm-hmm. so he, he basically came up with the order and i just okayed it
0: mm-hmm. he's good at that though like you said okay like, this is really dark let's put something light or there's been a bunch of light things we can put something a little bit deeper here yeah so i kind of like
1: once i got all the content i wasn't really married to any kind of order i just kind of let him
0: I was like, I was like, whatever the best flow is, mm-hmm. you know. And, Let's right. talk about uh, kind of the design of the book because it's very unique as well. Once again, most books, all of mine included, always have the color insert with all the pictures. Yours are all black and white without the, the color insert. Conscious mm-hmm. decision, and then what was the reason for that?
1: Yeah, that was another one of my rules was, <laughs> don't do, like whatever, whatever. He, other wrestling book does do the exact opposite Mm. so every other wrestling book goes in a linear story i'm gonna go in a non-linear story every other wrestling book has the color insert in the middle no color insert in the middle it's all black and white there's color in the front and the back which and really cool pictures Mm -hmm. and uh but like there's just kind of pictures throughout and so that that was definitely a conscious decision uh Getting pictures was hard, man. Mm. Like that was one of the harder things. I figured right. it'd be really easy because I don't have any access to WWE pictures, and I didn't want to call them, yeah. you know, or anything like that. Like just you- getting a getting a picture of like the Shield was really hard. What did you do? So like, we had a few photographers who had like uh, who had pictures of the Shield that they owned that were mm-hmm. at shows, but like none of them were any good. I was looking for like that one definitive picture. Yeah. And I just couldn't find it, and like it was getting down to it. I went, "Here's what we're gonna do." So I just took. I guess I'm giving a spoiler for the book, but uh, hopefully, it won't make any difference. But uh, so I was like, "Okay, you know what? Screw it. If we can't find an acceptable picture of the shield, everybody reading this book knows what the shield looks like." They know who freaking Roman Reigns looks mm-hmm. like. They know what I look like. They know what the shield looked like. Mm-hmm. They already know. We don't need to show them a picture of it. I went screw it. We'll go the opposite direction. We won't have a picture of the shield. So <laughs> I found an- I found like my one old SWAT vest I had
0: oh. and a
1: pair of boots and like the shield mask. Nice. that we wore for like big shows that Vince hated. Even mm. though we would have sold millions of them. It was like a riot mask or what was it? We had these cool like like sub zero ninja masks. Oh we wore. gotcha. And we wore them like the night, or we wore we b- busted them out of WrestleMania, and they, we looked cool as f. I'm not gonna lie. The next next night, Vince was just furious. He's like, "You can't see your faces. Get rid of the mask. I was like, "We're gonna sell." And like the merchandise guys were more, they were like mortified. They're like, we they were already coming up with designs. So they're like, "We're gonna sell millions of these," and Vince was like, "No, you can't see their faces." <laughs> we did it in Australia again just to piss them off. But we didn't tell them like years later and boy, they got pissed again. Oh. I just hated those masks. But I put like, so I put like my shield gear basically on the floor in my garage and like lit it <laughs> in like a artistic stylistic way. And just, that's the only picture of the shield is just like a picture of my old gear. Like,
0: but what's but mean, what, get, what a know? great idea. A picture that you're not going to see anywhere else. Yeah. It's an original picture. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I did the same thing in in my latest book where I had the list of all my matches that I'd had, um, and I wanted to go. It was really th- cool, by the way. I've never seen anything like it. Thank you, know. man. And, 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 and once again, it, you want to do something opposite of whatever else is done. I don't know many people that have a list of every match, but when I was going through the pictures, like back in the early days, every uh, the pictures I had were camera, you know, and you would get them developed and oh, you yeah. have them. Now it's all on the phone and this and other things. So they, I remember they're saying we don't have enough WWE pictures or I'm like. You can go online and see 100 WB pictures. When I saw the Metallica Master of Puppets book, which was from 30 years ago, the pictures that were the best were the ones from 30 years ago that you'd never seen of a young James and James and Lars hanging out or Cliff and Kirk or whatever. So I wanted more of those early pictures that you can't find anywhere else. Like you said, everyone knows what Jericho and The Rock looks like. They know we had matches. You want to see a picture of it? Google Jericho and Rock and you'll find a 100 of them. Jericho and Hayabusa when he was Iji Izaki. You can't find those ones, so let's put more of those in there, which I felt just translated better for people who are, wanted to see them.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. I saw a really cool book that it was uh, I saw it in an airport in Seattle that was like a guy who he was maybe a roadie or something for Pearl Jam, but he mm-hmm. hung out with Pearl mm-hmm. Jam for like years, and he had all these Polaroids. And it was similar to kind of the layout I wanted for the book where it was like kind of a journal just st- stuck together. And there's like all these Polaroid pictures of like backstage Pearl Jam in the '90s hanging out, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. And I'm now I'm kicking myself for like I wish that I took more pictures over the years. Like I wish I'd have been walking around with a Polaroid yeah, camera yeah, yeah. or whatever. But I was at, actually, and I was asking all kinds of my friends and stuff. I'm like, do you have any pictures from like back in the day, from like this period of time, like us partying or something yeah. or whatever? And I asked my friend Jill Shields, Fields, who is now <laughs> Shields. And she was like, "No, you hated to be photographed." Uh, she was like, "You wouldn't have it." What do you? T-? And I was like, "Damn, I wish we took more pictures." She's like, "You hated to be filmed. You like <laughs> would get mad if somebody tried to take a picture of you." So I'm like, "Damn it, I had the I don't remember that, but yeah, <laughs> apparently that's the case because there's like no pictures, you know." Yeah, so.
0: right, right, right. How about the cover? The um, great cover it says it all without saying anything. Picture. Yeah,
1: uh, again, want to go black and white. Uh, when I was like, I need you know who, how are we gonna like do a cover? I'm like, what are you gonna do for the cover? I immediately called my friend Ryan Loco, who's one of the best photographers in the game. He's shot a bunch of uh, amazing pictures. He goes to like he films MMA, sports, films like tennis. He makes tennis players look cool. Mm. He's like the man. He's uh, shot a bunch of uh, pictures of me, like blood sport and stuff like that. So like I said, it was DIY, so I was like, I need a photo. I'm gonna call my friend. Boom! even though he happens to be like the best in the game yeah and uh he came out to vegas and uh, i was like the only idea i was like do you have an idea i was like my only idea is kind of just like me walking down a road because this is just kind of a uh it's stories from the road mm-hmm. it's a trip down the it's the it's your ju- journey it's the yeah. weird journey i've been on for like 20 something years so it's like the road could be representative of that and it's just kind of like just me walking down a road yeah. kind of thing. And uh he's like, Totally get it. So like we went out to the desert, filmed the shot that's the cover that everybody should have seen by now. And then uh Yeah. He shot a bunch out there and we took it was funny when we were going out to and it's perfect. He didn't mm-hmm. he like it took less than a day. We were, we drove by T Mobile Arena when we were going out to shoot that. And he just happened to mention, Hey, I was there the night you won the title, actually. <laughs> and I went, Really? Did you take any pictures? He says, "Yeah, I probably did." Let me look. So he ended up having nice pictures from the night where I won the title, from like and won Money in the Bank and mm-hmm, all that mm-hmm. bullshit. He happened to have pictures of it that I could actually put in the book, and he just gave them to me. So that actually worked out perfectly serendipitously.
0: That's great. Do you remember that match uh, at the at the Mobile T A Mobile where oh, you won the title?
1: No, I do, but you got to buy the book to get that story.
0: Well, but I'll tell you one that you don't know with the latter match, which is the uh, the Money in the Bank, and this is it was you and me, and it was sammy and kevin and it was cesaro and uh, del rio and sammy and kevin were convinced that they needed to build an apparatus and take some kind of ridiculously stupid bump or else nobody would care and you were just sitting there being typical mocks like whatever you guys want to do and sammy was talking 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 and and cesaro said sammy can i say something and sammy goes no and continues talking (laughs) cesaro was just like and i remember i was at one point said okay stop i'm the captain now i'm taking over Everything has to be approved by me. If you got a problem, go talk to Vince. It's all about climbing the ladder and reaching for the title. It's all that matters. And we had the match. You won. It ended up being really good. And afterwards, Sam went, wow, oh, you, you you were right. You had some good ideas there. I'm like, yes, of course I'm right. Yeah, no shit.
1: Chris <laughs> and Jericho, man. No, I remember all that. That was quite funny. <laughs> and- Those matches are so hard to put. Those matches are so annoying. Oh, we yeah. They're always big hits with the crowd. Because we just did one the other week. We were just having this That's conversation. Right. Yeah. I swore I would never be in another ladder match again. Yeah, I hate ladder matches. Yeah. I'm not a ladder guy. I swear, like, ladders and chairs took more years off my career than yeah. probably anything. Because yeah. You get bone chips in yeah. your elbows. and They sp- bite. And, yeah. They, they bite. I hate ladders. And I'm not a, you know, uh, what you would call a high flyer, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. So, like, I don't really need to know why I need to be going up this ladder. Right. And uh, I swore I would never be in one. And Tony's like we're doing this match. He's like, we need, we got to announce the graphic. He's like, you know, whatever. And I was just like, I fought tooth and nails and tried to come up with every excuse why I shouldn't be in a ladder match. And then I was, just, but if you're my, if you're, paying me and I'm here working for you I want to do a good job I want to do a good job for the team and I'm like he's like we need star power in this match and whatever I got to give the graphic to him tonight and I'm just like ah, oh, <laughs> fine I'll do the freaking ladder match like I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I can't believe it I'm like I just swore that I've never been in another ladder match and here I am in a ladder match again talking with six guys trying to figure out all this insanity but it's like you said all they want they're always big hits with the crowd yeah. you climb the ladder you dangle your fingertip a little bit on the butt <sighs> yeah they like go I'm nuts yeah, so, it's so easy yeah.
0: Uh, last few questions for you. This book was great. It, it's, it's such an easy read. I texted you right away and told you how much I enjoyed it. It's it's like you said, two hundred and fifty pages, seventy pages, whatever it is. Great read. Will you do another one?
1: That's a hard question. I right? talk to other people who've written books where they say as soon as they get done with it because it's a freaking yes. It's emotionally, yeah. mentally draining. Like I, you write a chapter and you th- it think you're just sitting there writing. But like you're going to a different emotional state mm-hmm. so it like physically drains you mm-hmm. you know you're like you feel like you want to just ran a marathon sometimes yeah. after writing for a few hours you know so a lot of people told me every time they finish a book they swear they're never gonna do another book just like i swore i was never gonna do another ladder match mm-hmm. but then when the next one comes along all of a sudden, they're doing another book again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they swear they'll never do another until they end up doing another. So I ima- I imagine it's going to be like that. Right now, I'm so, like, in the afterglow. Yeah. Like, I'm um, naked, having a cigarette, having a beer. <laughs> I already, yeah, like, it's already over, yeah. you know? We're in the afterglow now. Yeah. So right now, I don't feel a need to go another round, but it's probably, I, but I can already feel myself, myself taking mental notes. Mm-mm. And, like, writing little sentences in my head while I'm watching this baby pooping Mm -hmm. in my hand Mm -hmm. or I'm walking around backstage watching people or whatever. I'm already, like, I can already feel myself compiling tiny notes Mm -hmm. as I watch the world unfold around me. So maybe, ultimately, if people hate this and nobody buys it and it sucks, then uh, maybe there's no demand for it. But even if there's not, maybe I'll just take some enjoyment out of doing it Anyway, so mm-hmm. pro- I'll probably end up writing a freaking other one. I don't know. I can ar- I can already tell it's going that way. Did you
0: get a box of books sent to your house? Yeah, I got a few. How cool was that when you opened the box? It I was
1: it was freaking cool. Yeah. When I got it, I was like, uh, I thought that's what it was, and I was like, I haven't even thought about this book in a few weeks in a while. You yeah. Know? So I was like, but I got real excited, and then when I opened it and saw him, I was like, because you put so much effort and sure. so much emotion and everything into it, and I was thumbing through it and everything. And it's like your actual vision coming to life. I'm like, I cannot believe I wrote a freaking book on a, <laughs> on a notes app with no.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm not a writer. Well, yeah. I, you know I can't even work a computer. How the hell did this book come together? This is crazy. Like,
0: is there a story? Last question: Is there a story in there that stands out to you as your favorite or chapter? Oh, it's tough
1: because mm. uh, I. I imagine it's like when you write an album, you Yeah. Know? it's like, oh, True. I can't pick a favorite song. I, uh, I'm really proud of like the story of, uh, the story of Double or Nothing, how that all came together. Right. Uh, this chapter about the shield, the whole shield story I'm very proud of, but, uh, just, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't pick one. Just you know? the whole really thing. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, there's a, my wife already gave a spoiler. Cause she tweeted out, she's like, "Look what I just tweeted." And she says, "Like, there's a picture of my wife's hapless." Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: <laughs> she's like, "I just tweeted this out." She's a, and I, and I just went, "Damn it!" I was like, "You just posted a spoiler." I was like, "That that <laughs> I I'm, I can talk about it because she already spoiled it." I was like, "That picture is supposed to jump out at you. It's supposed to be an unexpected." It did turn. for me.
0: It did for me. Exactly. Yeah. That
1: so you experienced it I how it's supposed to be experienced. Right. Like you don't expect that to happen, you know and. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you just spoiled it for her. You might as well just told them what page it was on. You can't be trusted with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no I'm no taking worries. your phone away right now.
0: <laughs> well, dude, congratulations. You said before that you're not a writer, but now you officially are, and you did a great job. I really enjoyed it. Right, so, thank you very much, man. Much always, always awesome talking to you too. Yeah, totally, man. We'll do it again. Thanks, dude.